Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture is Romans 12, verses 3 to 7. For by thy grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just, of each of, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. This is the word of the Lord. on what does it mean to be uh, the body of Christ? What does it mean for us to be together, being part of this body? And, and last week, if you remember, we talked about the, that the body of Christ that is filled with people who are in Christ, that our whole identity, everything that we are, as Colossians 2 puts it, that our life is Christ. And if that is the case, then we are part of his body. And the way that God has designed his body to be seen and to be functioning in the world is through a local gathering of people that are these Christians. There's a distinctive about them. And so we're called to that place as those of us who are in Christ or those of us who are trying to discover is this what we want to be about within Christ? We're called to be together. And as you remember, we're walking towards our first AGM, which is a very governmental type of thing that we're doing. But it was good for us to have that sort of on the calendar so that we could look back and go, all right, what does it mean for us to actually be members in the body of Christ? This thing that not, is not governmental at all. <laughs> this thing that is very spiritual, but not spiritual alone. It is flesh and bone. It is important for us to recognize and understand that it takes our material bodies to be part of the body of Christ. That it's not just something we attain to in our heads. It's not just some spiritual realm that we belong to, but it's that actually my physicality and your physicality are important parts of the body of Christ. That, that when Christ ascended into heaven, when he went and said, I'm going to give you Holy Spirit to guide you, he did it not so that we could just sort of sit around and, and allow the Spirit to move, but so that we would be animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's hands and feet and arms and hearts and mouth and ears and eyes in this world. And so it's good for us, whether you are somebody who's been here a long time or, or you're just trying to figure out, is this the place that I want to be or, or is this the, the thing that I want to give my life to, to know what you're getting into. 
And so today we're going to look at, at Romans 12 as our, our jumping off point, but we're going to go a little bit further than that, a, a little further afield. And, and you have those uh, some of the verses listed in your worship booklet as additional readings. And we'll jump into those as well in a minute. Uh, but I just want to start and say, preceding the, the, the verses that were read to us, we have Romans 12, 1 and 2 that say this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now that's a very lofty thing. And it's a call to us particularly in our particularness as individuals who are in the body of Christ, who are those who are finding our lives in Christ. That we're called, because of God's great mercy, to offer everything that we are to God as a living sacrifice, saying, take all of me. This goes back to that first sermon that we preached last week. And in that, then, we will be able to show true worship, pure worship, and be able to determine who God is and how he is moving and understand how he wants to move in this world. Because we've been transformed to be like Christ, the creator and perfecter of our faith and the creator of this world who knows the way that it's going to be. And because it's so lofty and because it's so big, we often sit back and go, Woo, okay, how is that even possible? Now, here's the interesting thing. Paul immediately jumps into a description of the body of Christ. So he's speaking about individuals. He's saying to you, you offer yourself as living sacrifices. But then how does this take place? Where does it happen? I dare say that it happens in the local expression of the body of Christ, in the church, and in your membership in it. He immediately runs and says, listen, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and importance to the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not have all the same functions. So in Christ, we are the body. You see, Paul rushes to this place of saying, you can't do this on your own. You need to have a gathering of people that are committed to the same things that you're committed to, who are more than just committed, are actually being committed to by God to transform you and change you. And that's the reason why we call people to membership. The reason why we say, this is a place you can belong before you believe, yes, you're welcome here in this journey of faith that you are on. But we want you to begin to believe these things that we talk about, these things that people around you are striving to live out. But more than that, as you begin to believe, we want you to move to becoming the church and ultimately be the body of Christ, living out the complete and full expression of what the body is, that we are Jesus as my dear friend Stephen Rarick says, with skin on in this world today. 
That's caught on tape and Facebook, and people are going to know we're dear friends now. So what does that mean for us? Well, I've titled this sermon, The Essentials and the Benefits, or the Benefits and Essentials of Church Membership. And so as we look at ourselves as those who are these that are called together as the body, that are offering ourselves as living sacrifices, what are the things that are essential for us to do, to be a part of? And so here's where we're going to jump around a little bit. The first one is that presence is important. That your presence is important. That we actually can't be a gathered body unless we gather together. We can't actually be involved in each other's lives unless we are spending time with one another. Hebrews 10, 23 and 25 reminds us of this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, as a good pastor, I was out last night with a few folks. And as I was leaving, I said, now, even though you're out tonight, I hope to see you tomorrow. My parents, as a rule, always had that no matter what I did on Saturday night, I better be up to go to church on Sunday morning with them. To the point that I can remember dragging in after a Hank Williams Jr. concert at 3 in the morning and waking up for a sunrise service at Easter so that I could be present. I'm not saying that if you don't come to church every Sunday, you're less of a Christian. I'm not saying you're falling short of what God desires for your life. That's not even what the Hebrew writer is saying. What the Hebrew writer is saying is do not be like those who neglect the gathering together. Neglect is an intentional diminishing of a priority. Neglect is taking something that you know to be important in saying it is not going to be that important to me. As those of us who are called to be the body of Christ that are actually having our lives formed in Jesus, it should be a priority for us together, together with others who are wanting to make Jesus their life. And so in neglecting it, You are lowering a priority that you should have by elevating something else. By saying this actually is more important. The danger here is that I want to soften that a little. (laughs) Right? I want to go, yeah, now, of course, you know. If it is a priority, then make it a priority. If it isn't, ask God, should it be a priority? If you find that it's not, then don't pretend to say that it is. Be truthful to yourself, recognizing where your heart is and the things that you are lining up as the things that you should do. I've discovered it's very easy for me not to eat Reese's peanut butter cups. Because I want to live 
Now that sounds dramatic, but many of you, some of you very intentionally know what a sacrifice that is for me. My priority is to live, not to have the hit of peanut butter and chocolate that are so perfectly blended together in a Reese's peanut butter cup for that momentary enjoyment. It's to live. And so since my stint, I haven't had one. I will have one at some point. But it's a priority for me to do something different. So presence is important. It's how we can love and know and work together. The second thing that is, we are called to do as those who are living our lives in Jesus is participation. Oh, we see this in this passage even here in Romans 12, 3 through 7. He says, if you're called to do this, if you're gifted to prophesy, then prophesy. To teach, to teach, to serve, to serve. And 1 Corinthians 12, as we talk about the body, it says you're all gifted for things, to do these things, that you're called to a place before the foundations of the world even, to participate in the body of Christ, to, to do the good work that God has laid out beforehand. And as part of a local body, as a part of that local expression of Jesus, there are certain things that, that we do in order to make things happen. Uh, Sunday morning worship takes place to give glory to God, to build us up in our faith, and to draw people in who should belong before they believe, hoping that they be begin to believe. But in order to do that, we have things that we need to do to make it happen. The doors have to be unlocked, and communion has to be made, and our kids have to be cared for, and music needs to happen, and Booklets need to be printed out. Now, we say they need to happen. I, I mean, I guess we could just show up here on a Sunday morning and walk in at whatever time and one of us could stand up and say, I think we're going to sing this song. I mean, there's churches who do this. That's not how we've decided to do it. How we've decided to do it is the way that we're doing it right now. And for right now, this is how we're doing it. That, that could change. There could be things that adjust and shift and, and move. We might add certain things. We might take certain things away. I, I can assure you that we'll always worship through song. We'll always have the Lord's Supper. There will always be the spoken, preached word of God. There will be time for us to hang out in some form or fashion, whether that's because you're so good at it, just hanging out after the, the gathering is done, and, or if we had tea back in and, and those things. But there are also things that we might stop doing and not do. But in order to have those things happen, we need to have participants, people who actually do the work. Now, I'm not saying God in the creating of the world before it was formed, in his mind he was thinking, yes, Lee Hinkle is going to do all of these things. I'm not saying that he looked out, and I'm not going to name any of you all because that would be embarrassing, so we'll just say Bob, because I don't think we have a Bob here. Bob, I've created you to do creche on the third Sundays of every month. But he has created Bob. 
give him this, his spirit and created Bob in such a unique way that he cares for children and is gifted. Oh, or maybe he could just put up with children. And he has the time. Or maybe he doesn't, but he's willing to sacrifice. Because he recognizes that within the body, I need to participate. And so he calls him to that. So an essential of being part of a local church is to be present. It's to participate. And then the last one is, is partnership. Not the last one, but the last one that we're going to talk about today. In Timothy and in Titus, Paul in these very individual letters written to individual circumstances says that the church has leadership that helps guide it. Now, partnership is a P word, and it's a P word because I wanted to alliterate. What I really mean here is that we work together with those who lead us. That there needs to be leaders within the local church. That's the reason why in a few weeks we're going to vote on whether Angus should be one of our leaders to help shepherd and guard our hearts and walk us towards Christ. On our worship team, the leaders of those things, we call them guides in our booklet because I know leadership can sometimes be a dirty word here in Australia. Our guides gathered together to talk about what does Advent look like? Because they're developing and walking and thinking about how we gather and guide you into the throne room of God. More aptly, opening your eyes to see that you're present there already. And so this partnership revolves around something that we find in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and verses 17 specifically speak to it. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcomes of the, their way of life and imitate their faith. That's verse 7. Now that's a call to you to pray for your leaders. It's also a call to you to consider their lives. So that's a call to your leaders to be men and women who long for the heart of God who seek, above all things, to walk in alignment with their identity that is in Jesus. That do not view a position within a church as a power play, but as a way to serve the broader body and even further into the kingdom of God. And while I greatly, personally, appreciate the accolades that I receive. Know that if I begin to do this for the accolades, you should remove me as your leader. As the person who is preaching and leading. If you begin to notice that I'm no longer doing the things that I'm doing for the glory of God and for his kingdom so that Christ may be formed in you, then you should remove any leader that is in that place. 
Verse 17 says this, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. The leaders of a local body are called to be those who are under shepherds, that Christ is the great shepherd who cares for all of us and longs to be formed in each and every one of us. And those leaders who are called within a local body to lead are those who are the under shepherds working on behalf and with the great shepherd so that Christ may be formed in each one of us. And so my encouragement to you is to be present and to participate and to partner with us being ready to call each other to account when we go and allow our selfishness to set on the thrones of our heart. So those are essential parts of membership. But there are also benefits. The first benefit is connection. You see that as Paul talks over and over and over again, whether it be here in Romans 12, whether it be in Ephesians chapter 4, whether it be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, whether it be in Colossians chapter 2, that the church is the body. And throughout all of the letters in the New Testament and, and the Gospels where Jesus is proclaiming who he is, we hear these commands to love one another, to honor one another, to greet one another, to welcome one another, to show hospitality towards one another, to have fellowship with one another, to agree with one another, to live in harmony with one another, to be at peace with one another, to be kind to one another, to forgive one another, to bear with one another, to bear one another's burdens, to comfort one another, to pray for one another, to care and confess to one another, to serve one another, that we are intimately connected. And next week, we're actually going to talk more about these Verses And what does it mean for us to strive together to live lives that are in Christ? The second C that I would say is a benefit of membership is comfort. Romans 12, 15 reminds us that we are to dance with those who dance and weep with those who weep. We walk together in comfort because the world is troubled and tough. There is things that happen to us in the flesh and in our spirit that will knock us flat. And so we are called to have comfort for one another. That if the body of Christ is not a place that you can run when you are beset by sin or beset by the sin of others that is affecting you, then the church is falling short of what it's called to do. So it's connection and comfort. It's also courage. It's standing together to be able to walk in the light because we do recognize that the world does creep in, that Satan is a lion seeking whom he may devour, but that we have a lion that is the lion of Judah who comes with strength to save. 
And that no matter how bleak it looks that the morning comes because the bright morning star is ours and has saved us. And so we have the ability to have courage together. When you do not be present, when you're not present, <laughs> it's hard to find courage because you live in the vacuum of your own thoughts. And so by being present, you can find courage to keep walking this walk on the narrow path that God calls us to. The last benefit that I think that we have is that we have a call. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship created for good works that he's laid out before the foundation of the world. That there is something about you that is unique and particular and special. That God has designed you. You for who you are. But it's only in knowing yourself in Christ that you understand that fully. And then in knowing that and understanding it fully, it is up to you to work with Holy Spirit. And he does that best within the body of Christ for you to discover what you're doing. And so what it does is it takes every aspect of our lives and instead of putting it in little teeny boxes, until, instead of having you live in a two-kingdom world, Meaning I've got my kingdom of God and I've got Jesus and my faith and then I've got my kingdom of the world and I've got my work and I've got my family and I've got my friends and I've got my hobbies and I've got my sports teams and I've got my political parties and I've got my blah, 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 blah. It says actually all of that is together. Every single bit of it because it's under the one true king. And you have that call that you were created for in that. The beautiful thing about this is that we're joined together because our lives are in Christ. And we are joined together deeply in our differences because Christ brings truth and unity, not uniformity. Now, yesterday there was a, a referendum vote and today, across the country, and setting here, there are those who would say they are happy, excited, glad for the result. And there are those who are sitting here who would say, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I'm angry about the result of the vote. Within the body of Christ, primarily we recognize that for those of us who are in Christ, our primary, our tip-top, our all-in-all -all identity is not how we voted, but in Jesus and who he is. And that's true of the brother or sister that is sitting next to you. They are not defined by their vote. They are defined by Christ. And how that in their lives right now at this moment is working itself out as they vote. But one thing we should all agree 
is that we believe that God is the God who created humanity. And in creating humanity, he did it in a way that said, this is my image bearers. I'm creating them in my likeness so that they can be a reflection of me. And so for us, we should always walk in a place of dignity, looking at others and saying, they are reflecting God to me, even in their broken state, even in their fallen condition, even in the place that they disagree with me. They are those who are created by God and they deserve honor and dignity. And so in that place, then, we walk together. We come to a place of unity, not uniformity. Because in unity, we find that in our differences, God is revealed as the beautiful, wonderful, majestic, incomprehensible but only comprehensible to us through Christ. Glorious creator and savior and king that he is. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need the church. Because it's here. It's as we gather that we're able to say to each other, you are in Christ. I am. And so his love spreads through us towards one another. And so I would say to each of you who voted in some particular way, know that tomorrow's another day, that God is on the throne, and that you are found hidden in Christ. And your task is to love each individual you encounter well. How God challenges you to do not just in your own mind, but walking with those that are around you. Debate is always good. So today, let me encourage you, urge you, comfort you, and challenge you to become those who are present, to participate, and to partner together. And in that, I can say we will do our best to walk with you so that you are connected. So that you can feel comfort. So that you can find courage. And that you can know the call that God has for you. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. And all you do is good. If there's anything that is, if there's anything that is not from you today, let it burn up. But if there is something that is from you, let it take root in our hearts. Let it bear good fruit for you and bring you glory and honor. It's in your precious name we pray. Jesus. Amen.